Hey everybody, it's Eduardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the Cinema Draft Game. And yes, this week, I'm not your boy because we let you down. And it definitely made me sad because I had such a great strategy going into the weekend. Uh, it, we were discussing the group chat on how I had a feeling but all eyes on me. And now I guess we will never know. But anyways, we are going to make it up to you all. We have double the prize pool, double the bonus money. We're coming back strong this week, and we're looking to to have an even better and stronger week. And just you know, really you know uh, support and appreciate your loyalty by you know giving you more money. So let's get into it. And yeah, I'm not lying. See the $250 feature presentation, the $100 best boy, $60 key grip, $40 gaffer, and the 20 dollar background talent and to be honest with you i would love to have these payouts every week but you know you know you guys what you got to do you got to tell more people get more people to sign up and play you know once we start filling these these suckers up i can start making more and more of a prize pool so uh but i do really appreciate you guys i do really apologize for the last minute failure we had i know you know most of you guys work really really hard on your call sheets coming up with a very uh, with, with, a, with very strong strategies, sometimes even contrarian strategies. I really appreciate you guys. So, so thank you for your support and your loyalty, and we will get you paid this weekend. All right, so let's take a look at the talent pool. Um, and so uh, I, I guess we'll – I'm not exactly sure how long this podcast will be. It could be a short one. It could be a long one. I'm not sure. We're just going to, you know uh, – we're just going to dive right into it and, and kind of explore together. Um, and just give you some, uh, and lead you into the mindset of how I create these salaries. You know, a lot of it is relative. I see what happens in the box office marketplace, and I usually only have access to the estimates. But the estimates tend to be within, you know, a few dollars of the actuals. And Cars Three actually had the second lowest wide opener for a Pixar-related film, for Pixar-released film. Um, and I mean, I guess this would be filed under first world problems, uh, as coming at, at only 53.7 million for cars three under Pixar, but it only beat wonder woman by, you know, a mere 12 million. And I say a mere 12 million because wonder woman is that juggernaut. Wonder woman's that beast. I don't know, you know, what, I mean, I guess, I mean, I, I enjoy Wonder Woman. I saw it twice opening weekend. You know, I'm, I'm here for it as far as a piece of social pop culture. And, and, you know, I don't know what Jay Devlin was missing out on, but, you know, this thing is a phenomenon. It has made over a quarter billion with a B dollars domestically alone. I mean, 275 million. It's in its, I guess this technically is what its fourth weekend it just went through or going to its fourth weekend. It, I mean, it's still going strong. $10,000 per screen. I mean, do we have a Titanic on our hands? I, I mean, for those of you, you know, those of you who were born after, I don't know what, 19, 90 maybe 19 you know 85 titanic was a juggernaut uh you know it i think it led the box office for something like you know 15 straight weeks or whatever or had something like like 15 or 20 straight weeks with over 20 million dollar grosses i mean it was just it was that beast like we i mean i i must saw jack and rose aka leo and kate winslet you know 
at least three or four times in the theaters and like you know three or four months apart it was it was amazing the phenomenon so wonder woman 41 million in its third weekend fourth weekend not slowing down in the least it shed 147 screens and still has a five figure per screen average that's that's crazy now oh okay this this i can't tell you this can't report to you i did go see all eyes on me i had a terrible stint at the world series of poker aka the Woosop, and uh, to console myself, I went to go see a movie. Uh, it was All Eyes on Me, and that is a terrible movie. Jay Devlin was right on this one. It was a terrible movie, bad acting, bad directing, a horrendous script. I mean, such a basic script, but it is an excellent Tupac concert film. It's got all the major you know songs you want from Tupac. Uh, you know, Demetrius Ship Jr. is an you know, it's just uncanny how much he looks like. Matter of fact, let's take, yeah, let's go to the IMDb real quick. I mean, look at this dude. It's amazing how much he looks like Tupac. And his performance is fine. I mean, you know, he definitely captured the ethos of Tupac, as far as I can tell. Um, you know, he definitely captures spirit. I mean, and yeah, he's a dead ringer. This is, you know, crazy how much he looks like him. But as but that's pretty much where it, it ends. I mean, the script definitely failed them. I heard it was a fairly troubled production, as far as or it's a troubled pre-production because it had like was it you know four different directors attached at one point, four credited writers, which you know is usually not a good sign. And and the guy they end up going with Benny Boom, I think was what was what was Benny Boom most known for? Was he like music videos? Maybe was it uh. Did he do Blow? I don't think he did. Did Ben Boom do Blow? Let me see. Benny Boom, the director of All Eyes on Me. Uh, let's see. Yeah, director of... Yeah, so uh, he did an episode of Empire. You know, good for him. Um, TV movies, yeah, this, and music videos. So, yeah, and, and so that's why when I say it's a great Tupac concert film, like the concert scenes are fine. I mean, to the point, oh man, uh, my people, to the point where, uh, where the, the, the gaggle sisters in the row ahead of me, one of them, or a couple of them actually took out their cell phones and started recording it in the theater. Stay classy, Vegas. Anyways, yeah, so Benny Boom is a music video director who got a swing to do this feature film, and it's a bad film, and I mean, and, and, but like I said, a great Tupac concert film. Um, those parts were fine, and, and this and the reason why I say and look, I'm I'm not even trying to go in that hard in the movie, but it's just I mean there were p points where it was kind of cringeworthy, just how flat the writing was, how flat the directing was, how just I mean paint by numbers, you know the script was, and and I mean and I get how this thing was even made or finally made, you know, off of the heat of Straight Outta Compton last year, and Jay Devlin, you know, in all his, you know. And, and all his uh, his cinematic savvy, you know, was right on time with this one. That they just kind of probably pushed this one into production once they saw all of that money straight out of Compton made. But this is no straight out of Compton. Betty Boom is definitely no F. Gary Gray, and it's just it's just a pretty bad movie that plays well as a concert film. Okay, so oh, uh, and and I see you, T. Murray. You may not even listen to this podcast, but I see you, T. Murray. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick a link to this podcast in your in your mentions, whatever, because it's not a great movie. It's a great concert film. There is a difference. Okay, soapbox over. All right, so back to 
to the talent pool. So one, so things I'm looking for uh, as talent pool, and and as I kind of alluded to in I think the the shot list that some value might be had with the Tupac film, uh, All Eyes on Me. Well, that value is all gone. We bumped it up another. I think 1200, 1500, uh, per actor. And that's only because it's going to reflect, um, uh, the last weekend's box office is going to have an expected drop. It's probably going to drop. Mm, I, I don't know. Well, and, and, and to be fair, I mean, to be fair, the, the wisdom of the crowd person, you know, so to speak, the cinema score for this movie was an a minus. And I just think that's people who've been, you know, Tupac fans and stands, who were just dying to see this movie, you know, be made in some shape, form, or fashion. So this one's for you, y'all. I mean, otherwise, there's not really much there for you outside the music. Um, and 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 I guess Danira Gariri Garai. Let me see. How do you how do you pronounce your name? I hate killing people's names because you'd be surprised when people kill my name, Eduardo Jackson. Uh, Denai Gurira, who I believe will be in Black Panther, you know, next year. And and you know you know. Uh, I, I suppose she's a talented actor in The Walking Dead. I do not watch The Walking Dead. I'm not here with the zombies. I'm, I'm straight. But um, yeah, she un, until she gets on drugs, uh, because this is widely known that Tupac's mother, you know, uh, was a, was a recovering drug addict. She has this one level. It's awful to watch. It's hard to watch. It's like you're talking at a twelve when I need you at. Five, or just show like modulate, just you know, show different levels of of you know your fury. Like get it, you know, Afeni Shakur is a Black Panther and and she's fierce and, and she beat like you know like a, a a bogus rap they try to put on her when she's active in the movement. But my God, just can it, can we get some levels here? I mean, this is like acting 101, you know, principles acting 101, Spelman College. Just you know, can I get some levels? So yeah, I, I just wasn't there for it. Anyway, so I'm gonna keep it moving. I'm not for zombies, so she probably might be great in The Walking Dead, but she wasn't. She was badly directed in this movie. She was badly directed, and you know, I yeah, we're over it. Okay, moving on. So yeah, so so yeah, so now all eyes on me. You're starting at 9,700 with Grace Gibson, going all the way up to 10,300 for Demetrius Ship Jr., aka Tupac's doppelganger. Uh, some other movies and actors of note this week. Oh, Rough Night took a tumble. So we had it. We dropped it about maybe I think we dropped about three grand total, only because it didn't do that great at the box office. It stumbled to seventh place behind Pirates of the Caribbean in its fifth weekend. Uh, Rough Night did only eight million. I still want to see this movie. Um, I don't know if we'll get a chance to go break out and see it. Uh, this week, but I'm gonna try to take a look at it because uh, I, I mean it looks like it's gonna be fun and funny. And oh, pardon me. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, when it came to time to go see a movie after busting out of my World Series of Poker event, um, it was gonna be either Rough Night or Tupac. And I wanted to go see Tupac because I wanted to support this movie. I wanted to, you know, I love Tupac's music. I wanted to support films of this ilk. And you know it somewhat let me down, but so I so my money went to, to all eyes on me. My money this week will go towards Rough Night. Uh, also to be aware of, I'm not going to go too in depth because we still have the shot list to do. Uh, it is Tuesday morning in the Las Vegas Valley. I will be recording later on tonight. You know them, you love them. It's the return of the tripod. Oh, we've missed them. G nice. 
Kevin Garnett, a.k.a. the Working Black Rider. Can't wait to get my boys back. Um, and we'll be going to the, into the shot list, uh, and we'll probably do a little more in-depth. Uh, since, you know, Cornell Westside, man, he, he stays – he stays cashing, you know. I love seeing his development in the game. Uh, so yeah, so we'll, we'll go a little more in depth with some of these, but just you know, doing a light overview. Uh, my cousin Rachel stays unchanged, only because I fully expected to dip into platform. It's got. I don't understand why this movie is not doing better than it is, and I and actually I kind of understand. I think it's an example of a truly platform release not being platformed out. Now, what I mean by that is is so let's say you're well, in the heyday of Miramax, and I don't even think Miramax exists anymore, at least not in the form that I remember it as, but in the heyday of Miramax, they were notorious for, for bringing movies that had, like, you know, some decent buzz, but that were, you know, preternaturally a small movie, and platforming it out, starting it on two or four screens in New York and L.A., and gradually stepping up the amount of screens. And we see this happening still with a lot of these platform films. But Miramax, I really believe, were like the masters of that. Like, I wouldn't say pioneered it, but they were just like experts in that form of just building up a movie so that it never opened too wide. I mean, it always opened at its appropriate, you know, release type, for lack of a better term, um, outside of Cinema Draft. They always opened it up at its, its proper release size, uh, where you'd have, you know, well, you know, we'd have a show on either, you know, 2 to 25 to 200 screens, and then if it got traction, then they'd step it up. Then they'd build it up slowly, and then they'd eventually get it, you know, to its widest, you know, uh, release possible at the right time. Once had a chance to build up the necessary word of mouth you need in order to 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 you know grow some of these smaller films, these lower budget films, these indie style and indie type and indie spirited films. So I don't know. I just think <clears throat> I think my cousin Rachel just opened too wide. You know, I mean, it opened. I mean, it really should have been a platform release. It really should have been somewhere. I mean at 100 to 300 screens and then built its way up. But by being a limited release film and on the low end of the spectrum limited release, look at it. Look at this. This is this is embarrassing. It only made $1,000 per screen in like its third weekend out. It's just, I mean, come on. I mean, do better. Y'all can, can be there. It's Fox Searchlight. You kind of, you, you, you kind of, you know, uh, fumble this away, Fox Searchlight. So, um, so I fully expect my cousin Rachel at only a thousand per screen to drop under, you know, 400, maybe even 300 screens into platform release this week. So don't believe the hype. And if it does so, then I believe 7,600 for Rachel Weiss is somewhat fair as a headliner. Uh, down to 6,600 6, for Poppy Lee Fryer. Shout out to to uh, Therone. Apparently that's a favorite actor of his. Um, and some other ones we'll keep an eye out for. The Mummy. It's, you know, there might be some value here, downsizing it appropriately. Uh, it only made about $14 million last weekend. And with Transformers coming on the scene, expect that sucker to be cut by another 50%. So at you know, 7 to $9 million, there might be a little bit of, of play in 11500 for uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, Wonder Woman, you know, I mean, it's still doing its thing. I mean, this actually might even be low for Wonder Woman. 16700 for for Gal Gadot. Uh, 15500 for Chris Pine, her, uh, uh, her her cheaper of the headliners. Um, Florence Kasamba, Kasumba, 
14,500 is one of your lower or one of your cheaper salaried actors in Wonder Woman. And you actually might be a ton of value here. I mean, honestly, I mean, even if you expect, I mean, look, these holds have been ridiculous. Let's just, let, let's do a quick deep dive into Wonder Woman real quick in honor of Jay Devlin, who does do the box office mojo deep dives. And let's just be, let's just be frank. If you're not using box office mojo, you're not going to win at this game. You need to use the statistics, the analytics at your disposal through at box house mojo. It's just truly your best, your best tool for this game. So yeah, I mean, look at, I mean, look at this almost 300 million overseas over almost 600 million combined in four weekends. I mean, get your money, Patty Jenkins, Warner brothers. I mean, you know, get your money only. I mean, only quote, unquote, only a $149 million budget, you know, which is, Pretty hefty, but watch watch Transformers comes in at like a, a quarter billion, but it's also going to do like a billion five in the global marketplace. So you can't quite even hate on that. So yeah, so so look at so look at so each weekend, look at this, look, look at these holds. Um, the first weekend dropped forty three percent, then only twenty nine point five percent. So this is this is what I think is key here. So you always have a hold. You tend you tend to have a hold of fifty to sixty percent or more in these superhero movies. The fact that it held you know, 60% of its audience almost, and only dropped 43% is pretty key. And then the fact that it only dropped 29.5% is extremely key here because we're still talking big freaking numbers. We're talking full theaters. We're talking, you know, you know, midnight showings. We're talking, you know, still being full. We're talking a lot of appetite for this movie. So, so if we're just going to do the math, right? 43.3 plus 29.5, that's an average hold of 36.4%. So what I'm saying is that that I think we can expect a 36% drop this weekend uh, from Wonder Woman. So if you're looking at 41 minus 36%, then 26.24 million. I mean, at this price, 14.5. This is this is pretty this is pretty you know awesome. So so let's just do let's 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 just do a little. You know, a little exercise real quick. So let's go to hsx.com, another valuable tool. If you want to kind of get an idea what the sentiment is for tracking even before, even ahead of time of the box office pros uh, industry tracking estimates. Let's take a look at Transformers last night. See what they're saying on HSX. HSX, for those who are new to the podcast, is basically the Hollywood Stock Exchange, the entertainment market. Uh, they basically... Uh, have a movie game based off of trading movies as stocks. And generally, $1 in their game translates to a million dollars in the actual box office, in the actual box office marketplace. So they're looking at an opening weekend for Transformers the last night of 63.44 million, which feels awfully low for the Transformers franchise. But I guess everyone's got franchise fatigue. Um, I know I've, I mean, I've been had Transformers fatigue. I actually have to, I need to re rewatch the last Transformers. I'm pretty sure I fell asleep in that dumbass movie. Um, but anyways, Agent Extinction, it did. Oh, interesting. So all of these Transformer movies seem to have done like a hundred million, except for the original. Um, was this one in the theaters? I think when I was a kid. Yes, 1986. I'll never forget having to get parental guidance to go see the Transformers movie because only because Optimus Prime in 86 said the word damn. 
He said, damn, one time they slapped the PG. That's just amazing. Anyways, uh, I know, I have time, how times have changed. That movie did like almost no business. Look at that. Opened to 1.7 million the opening weekend. But I was there. My little, what, nine-year-old self? What was that? Was yeah, like uh, 11-year-old self. I was so excited for that movie. Anyways, uh, Transformers. Yeah, so 70 million, 108, Revenge of the Fallen. Dark of the Moon, 97. So these all open around 100 million. So the fact that it's only tracking-ish at 63.44 million is troubling. Really, really troubling for its opening weekend. You would think, I mean, once again, kind of going by the averages, you know, it's it's it looks like it's averaging around 85 million per open. I mean, what are we talking about here? Um, 97. Let's just let me actually let me get this number right real quick. 108. Or at least in the Michael Bay era. In the Michael Bay era, they're averaging 93.8 million per open. So 63.44 million feels awfully low, awfully low. Um, and that's and that's partially why this isn't you know bigger. I mean, 25 grand. It's still a quarter of your budget. 25 thousand is for John DiMaggio, uh, the, uh, you know, one of the voice roles. Uh, is your low is one of your lower salaried actors, whereas Mark Wahlberg is 26900 I mean, obviously, it's going to be the cock of the walk this weekend. It's a surefire bet the farm to be your number one movie, but is it really worth it at 25000 I mean, you can, or 26000 if you do two headliners, let's see, 50, let's see, so basically you're looking at 52900 which leaves you what? I'm just bad at math, so bear with me. All right. 47,100 with eight slots left to fill. I mean, you can do it. It's going to be you're averaging 5,800 left for, uh, for each, for, for each uh, call sheet slot. So I don't know. I'm not sure if this is what you want. Um, I, get, I mean, it can be done. I mean, look, if, look, if, it, if you're going to have more of a historical average, what Michael Bay films have done, Michael Bay Transformer films have done. Then yes, I you know definitely headliner stack it, take the plunge. I'm thinking I'm looking at a strategy of of maybe you know Sir Anthony or Sir Anthony Hopkins, the slightly cheaper the two headliners, and then maybe building a stack around Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is not slowing down. There is there 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 can be some value there even in. Headline, headliner stacking, Gal Gadot, and where am I going? Uh, Wonder Woman. Where'd you go? There you go. About doing a headliner stack around Chris Pine and Gal Gadot, and then punting the rest of your call sheet. That might be the way to go. Like, seriously. Because if you do 26000 for Anthony Hopkins, 16700 for Gal Gadot, plus 15500 for Chris Pine, that's 58200 right there only seven slots left so which leaves you what 41 why am i so bad at math so it's basically forty thousand eight hundred for seven slots and then now you can punt the rest 5800 per slot but now i mean yeah that that feels like the, I, I can't believe I'm giving away my strategy so early. I mean, we're gonna have a lot of similar call sheets, but it, once again, with this game, the the proof will be in the details. But I think a troika of of uh, Anthony Hopkins, Gal Gadot, and Chris Pine is is what you want. Yeah, I think that's what you want. All right, so 
and I've already given, up, given away too much information, so we'll bring this in for landing. Uh, this, this wasn't too bad. I, I'm, I'm getting over my feelings. I've been in my feelings about <laughs> the, how it went down this, this past weekend, but I'm really glad you guys are with me. I'm really glad you guys listened to this podcast. Um, uh, I will be uh, reaching out to you shortly to remind you to get in those call sheets. And, you know, standard reminder, check us out on WeFunder. You can now invest in CinemaDraft. You can, for as little as $100, you can buy a piece of the company. Make sure you go to WeFunder.com slash CinemaDraft to see all of the investor perks you can get uh, and to buy into the company. <clears throat> Check out you know, details about the company. Look at our business plan and our pitch deck. See how we're going to make money for you and everyone else. It's going to be very exciting. Um, see the money we've raised so far. See what we've got planned to go to move forward, and we're you know, really excited to 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 get into this venture with you all. You know, if you love the game, support the game. Be an investor. We'll all make money together. It will be mucho bueno. Uh, and also uh, make sure you subscribe to all of our podcasts or all of our social media channels, YouTube, iTunes. Rate us, review us, all that good stuff. Follow us on all of our social media. Tell your friends to sign up for the game. It is at cinemadraft.co. That is cinemadraft.co. And between now and the next podcast, why don't you go see a movie or something?